the Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and your host, Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Dangle. You can find me on Twitter at BDR Dangle. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. Just going to shake it up a little bit here. We're going to drop in colleges. Uh, and uh, for my undergrad, I went to the Northern Illinois University, which, boys, I think it's safe to say that Northern may show up a little bit more in this podcast than in usual. <laughs> Get over it. It's already going to happen. Uh, Jack Wright, my right-hand man, you can find him at J Wright BDR, the pride and joy of Knox College. We've also got Patrick Sheldon, Providence College product. You can find him at P underscore shells. And of course, we couldn't be here without Brendan Chagru, St. Ambrose's own. You got him at Brendan Chagru, just like it sounds. Actually, it's nothing like it sounds. I'm going to spell it out for you folks. At Brendan, that's S-U-G-R-U-E. You know, we love bringing you this podcast each and every week, but we couldn't do it without the support of Sheridan's Barbershop. Sheridan's Barbershop, located in historic downtown Wheaton, Illinois, has been serving the community for 67 years. With five barbers and open six days a week, Monday through Saturday, we have appointments available to book online or by phone at your convenience. Sheridan'sBarbershop.com or call 630-668-0137 and book yours today. Sheridan's Barbershop, where traditional meets modern. All right, boys. The game was out was awful. 33 to 22 loss, but this is huge news for us. We got not like one round of beers. We got four round of beers by one person. And this is the biggest round of beers that we've been bought, but this person didn't leave a name. They, they haven't reached out to me, uh, which folks, you can do that. You can uh, reach me at Twitter, like I said, at BDR Dengel, or you can hit me at Ryan.Dengel, that's D-E-N-G-E-L, at BearDownReport.com, and let us know that you're the big spender, that you, you gave a very generous round of beers to Jack Wright, Brendan Chagru, Patrick Sheldon, and myself, and you know, we, we want to thank you for it. We can't shout you out unless you let us know that you're the one that did it. So please, please let us know because we have to shout you out because I mean, folks, generous round, like we could boys, no Miller light for us. Like I'm no. talking like the good stuff, like Absolutely. and multiple rounds of the good stuff. So I think we owe a round of applause to our, our mystery donor. Yes, sir. Golf and, yes. And, and uh, please, please, for that, for that person that donated to us, we would love for you to let us know that you are that mystery donor because we want to thank you uh, personally. All right, boys, before we get into uh, what we all think about the game, I want to jump right into it. We've got no special guest. We do have listener questions today, so I'm excited about that. But it's time to get right into it. So let's hear it. Brennan's Breakdown. The Arizona Cardinals returned to the city that exiled them to the desert long ago when they visited Chicago to take on the Bears. And like Taylor Swift, the Cardinals got sweet revenge on their ex in dramatic fashion. After Andy Dalton threw his first interception of the day, Arizona scored on a touchdown from DeAndre Johns Hopkins, who put on an absolute clinic for Jalen Johnson for the early lead. Things only got worse when Dalton threw another interception. 
Buddha, 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 picking off a pass. Buddha, 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 look, he runs so fast. Buddha Baker got the Cardinals in scoring position yet again before Kyler Bill Murray reminded Bears fans that it's Groundhog Day once again as they fell behind big for yet another time. Dalton was clearly in the Christmas spirit because he gave the ball away four times, one for each of his family members in a very touching tribute. But the Bears did find some offense at some point in the blustery afternoon. David Montgomery Wards isn't closed just yet as he scored a touchdown in the first half, but then James Sarah Connor terminated any hope of a Bears win. Even though Dalton finally racked up some garbage time scores, the Cardinals made sure we all knew that the Bears are who we thought they were, winning 33-22. to Thank goodness for Brendan, because if we didn't have Brendan, we just have the Bears, and they're not good at football. No, they're not. <laughs> all right. The elephant in the room uh we, we've had some amazing listeners that have reached out and been like hey you know you guys haven't been super positive about this team and we'd love for you to be a little bit more positive we're gonna try our darndest but <laughs> ooh, ooh, this was i mean this was this this was bad and uh just you know i'm not gonna name names you guys might but andy dalton woof four interceptions hasn't happened since 2016 uh so so we got that going for us uh yeah uh boys let's let's drop right into it our overall thoughts on the game how we kind of thought that it went i'm gonna go jack wright brendan chagru patrick sheldon and i will finish it up overall thoughts boys i feel like uh, matt nagy on the sideline looks like uh, like this lead actor in the fugitive he he looks like a man on the run and I don't know, like, like he's backed into a corner. He's aged. We talked last time about the human element, and I do feel for the guy. But wow, he kind of looks like a crazed maniac, I feel like, these days. I think his days are numbered, and it's got to be excruciatingly hard for him, given the circumstances. We saw once again, Brennan and I, I think, briefly you know, went back and forth you know, on the Twitter sphere about the, the odd timeout calling, and then all this, we're going to punt, and then we're going to call a timeout right before the, like, the first half is over, and then we're going to suddenly be aggressive. It's just, you know, like a lot, a lot of the same, uh, you know, rinse, repeat. Yeah, it's, it's rinse, repeat. I mean, I said it in the breakdown. It's Groundhog Day. We lose yet again big to a team that's so much better than us. They're far superior. And just watching watching other teams just – on offense is so like when you watch like the separate games, it literally is like another league and the Cardinals are just so much far out of our league. It's, it's embarrassing. I mean, yeah, with this, the same mistakes happen where you have timeout issues. You're wondering if you're just going to wind the clock down, but then something happens and you're going to be aggressive at the wrong time. It's, I don't know how it keeps happening. It's, it happens so consistently. It, It just baffles me, but I don't know. There's really not much to say here because I think even though for a, for a hot minute, I did have a weird gut feeling like, Hey, you know, if Kyler Murray struggles on this field turf and we'll get to that in a minute, maybe this team could actually pull off some stupid win because there's really no reason the bears would have won the game, but things happen. It's the NFL. Nope. Sure enough, easily 14, nothing, no hope of coming back. And even then you had like the fake rally at the, in the third quarter when they started driving and you're like, well, maybe they can just get back into it. And if they had more time and if this happens, but just so many like if, ands or buts, it, 
this is this is who they are. Brendan, are you on the Bears game and then clicking to red zone and then back to the Bears game? I didn't. I didn't. usually okay. do, or at least okay. I, I usually do like around halftime, but honestly, okay. like with a new puppy, I was just taking the puppy out right. like yeah, mostly right. and just having to do that, but I didn't miss much. <laughs> no, I just wondered only because that what you mentioned and we have mentioned it several times, but it's, it's really glaring when you, when you're watching the bears and then you flip to the red zone and it's almost like you're watching a different league, you know, San Diego is running like a, the Philadelphia special to like perfection with like these amazing athletes. That's the only reason I asked is, is that juxtaposition is so glaring when you're going red zone bears, red zone bears. Yeah. I don't want to sound repetitive, uh, but sitting there watching the game, the same meme came to mind. It, well, it's groundhog day again. It, the one thing that has been puzzling and a head scratcher to me this season is if you had gone back last year or the year before, or even the year before that, and you had said, that Matt Nagy was going to get the kind of run game that he has gotten this year, you'd be, you would have signed up for that in a second and thought we'd be probably top 10 in offense. What I don't understand is how this team can consistently run the ball so effectively again today. I mean, Montgomery accounted, you know, for 90 yards rushing almost half of our total yards, how we run the ball so effectively and yet continue to be so impotent on offense. I don't understand it. Um, it, it's mind boggling to me because if you had told me at the start of the year, they would run the ball this way. I would have been shocked if you know, that you would have also told me they wouldn't be in the top at least 15 in the league in offense. It's shocking to me. I just, we've said it so much, but I just, why is this guy still employed? I just don't, I don't understand. But like, what are we doing here? And then there was the, the back and forth where was he calling plays? Was he not calling plays? And then they had this excuse where, well, the headset wasn't working again so i don't know if that's soldier field i don't know if that's nfl i don't know if that's chicago bears to where matt Nagy had to have a walkie talkie and calling in plays to andy dalton like from bill laser or, or he was just calling plays and i just running a smoke screen i'm just i'm just so sick of this because brendan like you there was this just little little thing in my in like my head that was thinking well you know it's gonna be cold weather it's gonna be you know uh, kyler murray coming back from a long time off the bears are somewhat well rested uh roquan smith was coming back and so obviously if roquan's gonna play then our defense has a shot but that didn't happen the walkie talkie was hilarious and i i'm really am sick of the whole is Nagy calling plays? Is Nagy not calling plays? Because it just doesn't matter at this point. It really doesn't. Like, there's there's barely any difference. But just having him explain, well, I was calling in, you know, I was getting the plays relayed to me and sending them over in a walkie-talkie to Andy Dalton. I'm like, that's exactly what this franchise is. It's just so damn funny. Bill Lazor apparently was fired from his previous job. I think it was in Miami. I could be wrong about that one, guys. You can fact check me on that. But because he refused to run the football. No wonder Matt Nagy wanted to hire this guy. I mean, it just makes so much sense. And David Montgomery, like, I don't know about if you, you guys, but I was just kind of thinking about this as, as I'm watching it, just going, think about if they had actually committed to the run earlier on in the season and how good this guy is like where we might be if, if we actually had some competent coaching, but we, we really, we just, we don't. So I think the running game for the most part was solid this season and they showed a commitment early on and it did lead to a three and two record. 
And then, of course, Montgomery gets hurt, but you still have Khalil Herbert and to a lesser extent, Damian Williams. But once you just I'd say once that started to just fall off a little bit, Matt Nagy reverts back to his old ways and just says, well, I got to pass, you know, six times in a row before I do anything else. And we still saw it a lot today, even when they were down and knowing the running game was actually working against the Cardinals defense. He still decided to have Dalton drop back so many times. I mean, I believe he threw 40 times again. So that's essentially back-to-back games where you're throwing 40 times in a row and you only have six, what was it, like 16 the previous week and then 22 this week. just doesn't amount to much. So the running game, that's that's the thing that frustrates me. He had it. He had the running game figured out, and then it, it just faltered. And even when you get it back, it's still not enough because you can't commit fully to it. Bill, there was one instance, and you tell me if I'm wrong, early in the first half, Bears were driving and Montgomery reeled off that 12-yard run off the right side. And he, I mean, it was a beastly run real fast. I thought he looked like several times, I'm sure, sorry if I steal someone's thunder from later, but there were instances where he looked like, this game is mine. If we're going to win it because of me, almost willing, in some of his runs, almost willing the team to try to win. Anyway, he popped up after that 12-yard run, which was his longest and kind of just glared at the sideline. And at first I was trying to figure out if he was glaring at the Cardinals sideline, but he was not. He was glaring at the Bears sideline. And I might be reading way too much into this, but it really looked like a man that was like looking at the sidelines going, what else do you want, bro? Like, I will win this game. Just keep feeding me the rock. Look what I can do. Stop being idiots. I, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just making too much of a little thing, but but his demeanor after, that run was was pretty i don't know it looked pretty clear to me jack that leads perfectly into his post-game conference or post-game press conference because he said quote i'm going to go into work and i'm going to get on everybody's ass and they're going to get on mine too we are going to get back to the drawing barn and figure it out this guy takes it personally and he is i think it's evident he's becoming a huge leader on offense but man like he he'll let you know he'll let you know what's up and i love that about that guy we're all going to be praising him at some point throughout this podcast. I don't think there's any question, any doubt about that in any way, shape, or form. All right, boys, it is time to go to the outhouse and then the penthouse. All right, before we get into the outhouse and the penthouse, we got to shout out our guy, Jeff Cadwalder. Look, it's the holiday season. It's the giving season. You're maybe thinking about a gift thing or two. Why not have a new house as a gift? I mean, that is like the ultimate gift of all. So, and the holiday season isn't a bad time to be looking for a house or selling. So if you're thinking about buying or selling a home this next year, visit GenevaJeff.com today to learn more about how Jeff Cadwalder with At Properties can help you. Jeff knows that you need experience when it matters most. So visit GenevaJeff.com today or call slash text Jeff at directly at 630-254-254. Four seven three four. All right, boys, let's go out to the outhouse. This is going to be a very full outhouse, just like it has been for a little while, but we're going to do our best. So let's go, Brendan, Patrick, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. I'm so glad I get to start with this. My outhouse is the Soldier Field Experience. Okay, listen, fair weather is a myth. Fair weather is BS. Fair weather doesn't make a damn difference. All it does is slow down 
your own offense that we clearly have said multiple times is in a league of its own. And you, that is a league you do not want to be in. So not only the field conditions where everybody's slipping around. I mean, David Montgomery would have busted a long run on the first possession of the game. If not for the turf monster, same thing with Darnell Mooney slipping after a nice slant pass that he got. Not only is the field just a disaster, but you have fans that are just paying their hard-earned money to be out in a monsoon and struggle with ponchos. I think we all saw the guy that could not put on his poncho at the top of Soldier Field. (laughs) I mean, I think we're all in agreement here, and hopefully the time is coming soon where a new stadium is coming in Arlington Heights. But like the the Soldier Field bear weather experience is so dumb. Even when the Bears are winning – like, okay, what are you going to be happy that you just, you know, you're drenched. You're probably going to have a cold coming off a win. Even if it is a good game, I want to watch a game indoors. I want to see my offense move fast on some artificial or hybrid turf. That's all I want to see. So I, the, the whole experience goes in the outhouse. And I think just today's another piece of evidence that it's, it's all complete garbage. Just really quick to that, uh, a friend of mine is a Vikings fan, and he talked about flying out to Minneapolis where it was 15 degrees outside, and he's freaking out. As they get to the game, they walk in, and it's 70 degrees, and they're taking off all their layers, and he said, oh, yeah, this is amazing. That's all I'll say. Two things to your to your point, your outhouse, Brennan. One, if it provides home field advantage, then I'm all for it. But it doesn't seem to do that for the Chicago Bears. That's one. And then secondarily, I think from a football perspective, you spend the entire week wrapping plays to near perfection. There are timing routes. There are very specific cuts that are being made. There are choice routes. These things are dependent upon a, a track that is sustainable. And so Even when I, I guess when I played and coached, I just thought if it was a monsoon, it kind of threw everything we did the entire week right out the window. And and I'm like, okay, I I can be tough and I can like handle this weather. We've all proven that, but it just makes for pretty shitty football (laughs) when it all comes down to the, I mean, it's just not nearly as fun of a game to watch. That's bare football, Jack. We like that brand of football. I I guess I get that on some levels for the, from the old school, you know, uh, side of things, but I, eh, I don't know. I don't think we're there anymore. I've got two quick nominees for the outhouse. The first is the Chicago bears quarterback center exchange and Sam Mustafer. Um, dude, wh- what's going on? Uh, <laughs> how do you continuously snap the ball directly into the ground on in a shotgun snap every single week? It happens at least once a week, almost. Um, it's a disaster. Mustafer's got to go. Uh, I'm tired of seeing him week in and week out. And then my other nominee is the, I think we mentioned it before the telecommunications system at soldier field, you know, let's just continue the theme about the bears experience again. I don't know what it is, but why can't the bears figure out how to get their comms to work to call in plays? It's, it's a joke. The whole organization's a Mickey mouse organization. They prove it week in week out. And these are just little microcosms. Uh, of the of the stink that starts the top in my outhouse is the bears commitment to never fire a head coach during the season i mean plain and simple i'm looking at our you know article right now you know it says that teams can now interview head coaching candidates 
during the last two weeks of the season. If the Chicago Bears stick to their guns on their we won't fire a head coach during the season, then that's just one of the most galactically stupid things that they can do. It's like you're on the playground and and you're picking last, and the only guys that are left are the ones that wear like the two tight purple shirts and pick their navel and their noses and can't run very fast. And that's where we'll be. We all the good coaches will be gone. And that that is so deeply in the outhouse. I know we've covered this in in different ways and different you know podcasts throughout the year, but to me, this is a crucial moment in this particular year because of the new rule. The other thing that complicates that too, and I'm wondering your thoughts guys is let's say they do fire Nagy to get a jump start on interviewing head coaches. There's another huge elephant in the room, Ryan Pace. W- yep. What are we going to do with him? Who is he going to be the one that that's interviewing those candidates to get a, a head start? Are they going to do the old end around and, and cut him out of the loop like he did with John Fox and go interview candidates you know, um, secretly. And if so, who's going to run that? Is it going to be George? Is it going to be Ted? Like, holy shit, guys. What, this is why you don't go into a season with a lame duck GM and head coach. If they thought these were the guys and and Georgie Boy stood up at the press conference last January and said, uh, Matt and Ryan are our football guys, right? If they're your guys, then live and die with them and extend them and ride with them. But the fact that you didn't shows that you weren't sure and you were peddling a bunch of nonsense back in January when you said that to to the Bears fans. You didn't believe it yourself, and that's why you haven't extended them. And now you're in this situation where uh, you've got a couple of lame ducks and you're not going to be able to take advantage of the situation like, like other NFL franchises and get a head start on the head coaching search. Patrick, you've been working on your George McCaskey. That was like perfect. I mean, that that was excellent. <laughs> the, and, the pregnant and, pause there at the end. Yeah, yep. it's just I've listened to it so many times. I, I don't know why. It's just it's it's comical. Why would yeah? Why would you do that to yourself? But, <laughs> no, that's I, I was essentially going to jump in and say the same thing. That's the only reason you hold on to Matt Nagy at the end of the year is if you know for a fact that you're going to be doing something with pace as well because it doesn't pay to essentially let pace do all the homework and then fire him at the end of the season. And the bears have been a lot of reports have come out saying they're doing their homework on a ton of guys already. So hopefully that's not too much of an issue, but Jack, to your point, if that, if the GM was definitely like firmly in place and we all felt confident about it, absolutely. He should go right then and there, but you know, maybe that kind of also says like what the bears plans are as we get closer to the end of the season, we'll start reading the tea leaves. My outhouse is going out to the bears organization for giving Andy Dalton $10 million to skip passes off the dirt and throw interceptions all over the place. And to anyone who like, Fine, I'm doing it. You know what? I, I've always tried to like avoid, like, don't call specific people out because I'm sure I've had some really bad takes and stuff like that. But but Hub Arkish and Mike North, who just continually sell that, man, where this team would be if, if Andy Dalton was starting. Are you out of your effing mind? This guy, it, it just, I, 
just the fact that they were trying to throw the ball, if the conditions were that bad and he can't get a good grip on the ball, then why are you making him throw 41 times? Just every one of those interceptions was bad. And I understand the one was on Cole Komet because it hit him in the hands, but it was a low ball. That wasn't an ideal spot for him to catch it. Now Cole's got to make that catch. And, and I'm, I'm not like, you know, taking blame off of him in any way, but what I am saying is Andy Dalton throws some bad, bad balls. And I just, I'm so sick of hearing people trying to say that, you know, just because somehow, some way, like he's got more experience that he's a better quarterback. He is a backup quarterback. And you know what he is? He's Nick Foles. He is Nick Foles. He's the same guy. There's no difference between these two, except maybe Andy Dalton throws more interceptions. Maybe. I mean, gentlemen, just really quick, 26 for 41 229 yards and four freaking interceptions for a stellar 54.9 quarterback rating. Excuse me while I go and throw up in the other room. That is awful. All right, boys. I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how it's going to happen, but we're going to go to the penthouse. Penthouse, I want to hear Patrick, Brendan, Jack, and I will finish it up. So I've got like the perfect metaphor for this. Uh, when I was a kid, I went camping in Vermont and uh, this is before like cell phones and, and fancy uh, headlights and, and, and flashlights and all that stuff. I had a little tiny flashlight and I was going literally to the outhouse to go to the bathroom at like two in the morning for my tent. It's freezing. It's like end of October in Vermont. And I'm freezing. And I walk in and I got this little flashlight. And I'm holding my mouth and I'm trying to go to the bathroom and it slips and it tumbles down and sticks. And uh, fortunately, it stuck flashlight up, right? The, the, the light was sticking up and illuminating the whole outhouse. So I say that because the flashlight emanating and beaming from the steaming pile of shit oh, that was today's crazy. game uh, is David Montgomery. <laughs> What and the thank, hell? <laughs> he is he is the flashlight in my pile of poop guys uh david montgomery without him this i would have turned this game off a long time ago i mean there were i know we're going to talk a little bit about things to watch for the rest of the year he was it he was the main attraction as he has been most of the games this year i just love watching him run uh him and herbert both i mean they're they're just so much fun to watch you can tell that that uh, like you said, Ryan, they they wanted this game. They wanted them to put the game on their back uh, and try to will this team to victory. And you just love to see it. And he just was so dynamic, would not go down. His contact balance is amazing. I mean, if you're a fan of running backs, just pure runners. I mean, it, this is this is a guy that you want to watch. He's is supremely underrated in the NFL. And uh, hopefully he starts getting his due because he deserves it. Just can't get over that metaphor. That's a real story. Real yeah. story. Yeah. I'm gonna stay with me for a while. <laughs> Every time I go to use a porta pot, that's gonna. <laughs> yeah, for real. I'm gonna keep it in the same sort of realm as my outhouse, and I'm gonna put all the Bears fans that chose willingly to spend their hard-earned dollars and time to go out and not only watch that product but go to a very poor stadium experience out in the elements and just really freeze their ass off watching this team. You guys, we as fans deserve better, but those fans in particular who are at today's game deserve a lot more, I feel like. And, you know, I actually, 
my uncle was like, Hey, you know, he's got season tickets. He's like, Hey, do you want to go to the game? And I was like, yeah, maybe. And then, uh, honestly I had to cover the game anyway. So I told him I wasn't able to, and he's like, Oh, it's okay. I'm going there. And I'm just like, thank God I didn't go to this game. <laughs> like this would not have been fun for me. Like maybe like 10 years ago when I'm young and stupid, that would have been all right. But God, like all the bears fans there, all the people struggling with their ponchos, my hats are off to you. You deserve to be in the penthouse. Just a quick shout out to my buddy, Pill. He was trying to get rid of his tickets. Uh, he had something come up. Uh, there was a family emergency. Thankfully, everybody's okay. We couldn't, he couldn't give them away. I put it out on Twitter. Nobody wanted them. I don't blame them. We're, we're stretching here, right? I mean, it was a brutal loss and it's a brutal team. So, But I will say this. You go ahead and call me out if I'm just completely erroneous here. I'd like to put the offensive line and Juan Castillo in the penthouse. I feel like given the circumstances, the musical chairs and the injuries and the depths of bad that they have been now and again throughout the last two seasons, I think we see improvement. I I do. I think there doesn't seem to be like, oh, crap, we just kind of suck, so let's lean into it. They seem to truly make efforts to be better and do better, especially, I think, in the running game department, as you guys have already well documented. And I, this is where I guess I would like you to correct me if I'm wrong. I felt like their pass pro was way better today. I felt like Andy Dalton had significantly more time in the pocket. I know there were a couple of occasions he tried to step up into the pocket that didn't work out so well. But just generally speaking, I think we are always looking for improvement within specific units, and we always dog specifically like the wide receivers. And I just, I just think I'm not in the room where it happens, but I got to think that of all the coaches in the building, that that is one coach who has earned the respect of his players. Yeah, I will say I'll, I'll just add something real quick. Like we really are crapping on Sam Mustafer. But you're right. Like, I thought a lot of the the pass protection was was better. And, you know, you kind of get lost in that with just some of the poor performances from the quarterback and balls hitting receivers in the hands and hitting to the ground. So, yeah, I, I'll I'll give you that, Jack. I, at first I was like, where the hell are you going with this? Thanks. But I get it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I, I got to steal my own game ball, I guess, to, to give something away that hasn't already been said because you guys are smart and you went first. And so – Jakeem Grant, who I have said some not some great things about him as a special teamer, thought he was really good on offense. Five receptions for 62 yards and a touchdown showed some good speed. And so it was it was nice to see to see that, uh, see him as a weapon. And honestly, if, if they've got this guy for more than this season, I think I'm OK with that. Maybe as your number four, number five receiver, putting him in into a different spot. I was really bummed to see my boy Rodney Adams get a shot and drop it. Uh, and so that was kind of a bummer, uh, but it was nice to see Jakeem Grant uh, to get that done. All right, boys, let's let's get to some listener questions because we've got some good ones. And you know what? I mean, just if we don't enough say how much we appreciate our listeners, um, I, I just we, we can't say it enough. And so what I want to do first is we've got one that I think we kind of already uh, addressed. And so I want to make sure that I give credit where credit is due. 
Jose Martinez asked, Nagy was calling plays again. Can fans sue to stop him from grabbing the play sheet? And he said it was about relaying it because the headset wasn't working. Other people would have suggested it's just a smokescreen. So Jose, thank you for your question, but we are going to move on uh, to some of the other questions that we have available because I think we've kind of already addressed that one. Um, so let's get into our very good friend, Scott Swartz. Scott, thank you for continually uh, promoting the podcast and, and just all the nice things you have to say. Other than watching JF1, what other reasons are there to take time to sit through Bears games the rest of this year? And boys, I'm adding this to it. The Packers on Sunday night. What are you, what are you guys watching for? Let's go Brendan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. Yeah, when he said, because uh, I, Scott, we really appreciate your question. And I mean, all the support, really. And as soon as I read your question, I was like, God, really? Aside from JF1? Like, because that's really it. But I guess, so I wrote a piece earlier this week about Robert Quinn and how, in, how he's just killing it with all of his sacks. He's got 11 on the season already, and there's still quite a few games to go. So I personally would love to see Robert Quinn try and break the single season sack record. I know somebody said, and who also, by the way, Richard Dent holds Hall of Fame defensive end Richard Dent. I remember somebody said, I really don't want Robert Quinn breaking a Bears legend sack record, but I think it would be kind of cool. So I am watching to see if Robert Quinn can continue to be the dominant force that he's been all season. So that's fun, I guess. Especially if he can do it in 16 games or less. I think that would make it even better. You know what I mean? If he does it in the 17th game, it's just, you know, makes things a little bit different. But if he does it in 16, that'll be kind of cool. Yeah, it, it's, it, it is going to be hard. And I really don't think it, it's going to be hard to do it in 17 games. Where you're right. If he could do it in 16 games, that'd be impressive. Just for the record, like I said, Robert Quinn's got 11 sacks right now. The record is 17 and a half. Richard Tent, believe it or not, holds the top four records. The next closest is Khalil Mack with 12 and a half. So just goes to show how dominant that guy was. My gosh, that's a lot of sacks for Robert Quinn. I don't know how he walks. Um, in terms of what I'm watching for the rest of the season, I want to see who's going to, who's going to be here next year. Uh, I think one of the frustrating things for me about Matt Nagy is his reluctance to give some of the younger guys a chance. So I'm hoping that maybe he'll start to do that. I, I know uh, our friend Rodney Adams didn't um, didn't shine when given the opportunity this week, but I'd like to see some of the other guys like Thomas Graham. I, I want to see what he can do out there. Uh, maybe he's a nickel going forward, or maybe he can play on the edge. I don't know, but uh, I guess you won't know unless he gets out there and plays. So I want to see some of the younger guys get get some time, hopefully, and I want to see um, who's playing like they want to be here next year because you're going to be auditioning likely for the next head coach. So these next few games, uh, you want to put some tape out there that shows that uh, you can be counted on next year and going forward for this franchise, because I think they're going to have some tough roster decisions to make with, with coming up against salary cap. Um, and they're going to need some draft capital. So maybe they look to move some guys to acquire some additional picks. Uh, so, yeah, I want to see the effort out of the players over these next few weeks because it's going to I think, you know, um, you're going to separate the wheat from the shaft, so to speak. And uh, we're going to see, you know, who really wants to be here. Speaking of guys that we want to see the young guys like rookies, who's that one? 
that one receiver with the catchy name that our guys at the Irish show like. Who I can't remember his name. Do you guys uh, remember? I can't. You no, Jazzy Jeff. Is it? Yeah, Jeff, Ooh, close. Jeff. Is it? Joe jo- Jordy. Something. Yeah. Old guy. Old guy. Uh, it's not important. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. No. It's yeah, it's fine. Yeah. He's not catching any balls. So I'm watching mainly out of sheer obligation. Ryan knows that I set a pretty high bar for what it means to be a fan. I pride myself on being a better Cubs fan than most Cubs fans. I don't even like the Cubs, but most Cubs fans, if I ask them, who's your shortstop or who pitched last night, usually they can't tell me. So I have to, in some ways, with my family and friends, like, did you watch the game? Yes, I watched the game. And I will watch every single game. And I will continue to do that. One, because I'm obligated in some way by my allegiance and fandom to this team. And if they ever do get good, I always say it sure helps if you've slogged through the muck and it makes it that much sweeter when they reach that that pinnacle. This may be a really bad cop-out, boys, but the weather's really terrible right now in Chicagoland. And honestly, today, like, I don't think I would have had anything else to do other than hang out with my daughter. And so I guess I'll watch the Bears. Uh, you know, I, I'm saying that somewhat in jest just because I, I, this is a, a team I can't quit. I've been, you know, a, a fan of this team for pretty much my entire life, but a diehard since 2001. You know, that that's 20 years of my life that I have given to this team to to truly give to this team where I have watched every single game and I think there's just part of me that that wants to believe that at some point there will be a payoff. There will be a championship in there or at least, you know, a good couple of years where, where we are, are close to that again. And in order to truly enjoy that, you have to sit through some, some awful, awful times. And I've definitely changed the way that the mindset that I have, I'm, I'm not getting nearly as upset for bears losses that I have in the past. I mean, I think for all of us, because you're a fan, there were times where when the bears would lose for the like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like I'd be in a bad mood and I just, I'm not going to let that happen anymore. Um, I've just kind of disassociated myself from that just a little bit but I'm going to watch every painstaking moment so that when things get turned around, if, and hoping that they do get turned around, that'll be there. All right, boys, let's get to the next question, uh, which I think is a really, really good question, a really good question from Frequency Vibrations, uh, which is at Ange, A-N-G-Z 84. My question would be, whoever the incoming head coach or possibly GM, where do you start? Do you clean out all the coaching staff? What trades do you make to get draft capital back? Free agent moves? Like, what do you, where, where does a, a coach and a GM start? If it's okay with you boys, I, I think I'd like to start with this one just a little bit. Juan Castillo, Jack, to your point, is a coach that you maybe want to keep around. Um, Sean Desai, who I really liked, I mean, I, I, I don't know, maybe not as a defensive coordinator. And now that he's been in this position, I don't know if you can demote him back down. Uh, but for the most part, you know, you bring in a coach and they're going to want to bring in their guys. It's not like when Vic Fangio was here and it was like, 
what do we got to do to keep Vic Fangio in the building? Um, really, I don't, I don't look at any coach on this staff right now and say, oh my God, they have to keep this guy. They have to keep this guy, which really kind of stinks because whoever that head coach and GM that are coming in potentially, uh, they've got to start from the bottom. You know, they've got to start uh, all, all the way over and, and do this, this whole thing over again, uh, which means that next season more than likely is, is probably not going to be a, a fun season to watch the bears either. Cause they're going to continue that rebuild from here. Let's go Patrick, Brennan and Jack. Yeah. I, you know, it's a great question. And regardless of, of who they bring in next year, I would like to see the bears not meddle in those decisions. And I know they claim that they don't, that George and Ted don't do that, but you know, we know that they have forced head coaches upon GMs in the past. They have forced uh, coordinators on head coaches in the past and, or if not forced, highly encouraged that they be retained. Right. And so um, it's just, it's this, this swirl that the bears are in where they can't just start clean. They always have to have some vestige of the previous administration you know, hanging around and, you know, get their tentacles in the new administration. That's why I want Pace as far away from House Hall as possible if they move on. I don't want any of the remnants of that disaster uh, to, to hang over in, in the next administration. So I want them to let the new folks make those decisions. But um, I think you got to start with the, the salary cap and see, you know, who, who can we keep? Who do we need to keep? Um, and who needs to go and they're going to have to make some tough decisions, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, um, Akeem Hicks isn't here next year. I don't think Danny Trevathan's going to be here next year. Tariq Cohen's another candidate that probably, uh, isn't going to stick around. So you're probably going to lose some fan favorites. You're probably going to lose some folks that, um, you know, it's going to hurt to not see them in the, in the blue and orange next year, but they have to, they're going to have to make some tough decisions because of the decisions that Ryan Pace has made in the past. So my, my thinking with this is I'll start with coaches and I'll get to players in a second. If you're bringing in a general manager and a new head coach, I just want them to make those decisions themselves. It's, it's rare that you see a holdover coach. Ryan, like you said, Vic Fangio is a famous example and it worked out for the one year that he was here left, but I, you could make an argument for Juan Castillo, especially considering James Daniels has looked good. Larry Borman's look good. If you believe that Tevin Jenkins is going to continue to develop as he hopefully gets some playing time this year, I might see what Sean Desai can do because he's so young and maybe see like, you know, if he can continue to grow there, but it's just so hard when you have like a whole new regime coming in because they're going to bring in their own guys. And that's exactly what Nagy and Pace did. So I'd say maybe just a couple people, but when you see this product and you see how it's not going well in so many different areas, it's got to go. And by the way, as I was scrolling through the bears coaches list, Mike Adams has got to go the defensive backs coach. Woof. All right. Like no matter what happens, he's, he should be first on the chopping block. As for the players, I guess for the, for the younger core, I would like to see who kind of has value because if you believe that Ryan Pace is able to get some good value and actually draft some good players, but they're just not being put in the right positions or the right situations to be successful, then maybe you can see what you have and actually see if it can translate to the next regime. So I know you mentioned 
Patrick with uh, Akeem Hicks leaving some of the veterans. Like it's a, it actually is a really good time because there are a lot of expiring contracts. You have cap space. You can bring in a whole another younger force into this team and change the trajectory of it. So I would say like the next year would be a great opportunity to evaluate what you have and then make decisions going there. The problem is it is another year of waiting. Essentially it's a true rebuild. And that's year two of Justin Fields' rookie deal that you have to, you know, then manage because at some point, if he's going to be the real deal, you have to make that decision on if you're going to pay him or potentially move on from him. Can I just highlight it again how bad the Akeem Hicks decision was to not trade him at the deadline? I mean, now that in hindsight, I know hindsight's 2020, but we were saying back then, maybe you look to get something for him because you're probably not going to resign him. I mean, the, the odds, even if Pace was still here, probably wasn't going to sign, resign Akeem Hicks. And now he's been out, he's been injured. Um, they got nothing for him. They're going to get nothing for him when he moves on. Just another disaster. Sadly, the narrative all week, I think, around here, you know, on Chicago Sports Talk Radio is about how the Bears were holding this like one last card as a potential playoff team, you know. So I I think that's that was what was going into the decisions like with Hicks shells, I, you know, disagree, but I think that's what was going into it. No, for sure. And, and just the fact that Ryan Pace came out and said, yeah, we had, you know, people were calling us about a key mix, but we didn't want to do anything. That just makes it look so much worse. Cause you're like, you did have, and who knows, he could be lying, but you did have suitors lined up to give you something for him. And he's very likely not coming back. And you just said, Nope, we're good. We, we think he's going to be a valuable piece to us trying to claw and scrape our way to the seventh seat just to get blown out if that even happened, but it's not going to. If we're talking ideal situation here, you we're like uh, you get to make your utopia. My hope is that we hire a coach who is a man with a plan and a leadership style that is undeniable, that permeates the building. And then that person, along with hopefully a new GM, goes about the business of taking a look at all of the personnel and then beginning to make those decisions based on whatever litmus test it is that they know is best for winning organizations. So from the strength coach to the coaches on staff, to the film that they watch of other players, that there is some sort of a clear distinction in the mind's eye of that head coach who is, you know, a top tier head coach with a, with a resume. And again, maybe I'm doing a lot of coach speak here, but you know who these guys are when they step into the room because of the way in which they carry themselves and their ability to have this like steely eyed missile man singleness of purpose. And I I want that person again, euphoria, or I'm sorry, utopia, both. It'll be both. If this happens, I want that person to be making these decisions. And if that means this is a clean house, then clean house. But because hopefully what's going to be happening here is we're shifting in an entirely different direction. That means winning football, so if that means that carryovers are not on board with that, then they should be gone. If you evaluate young players and they look like they would fit your system, then they should stay. But 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 it all centers around whoever that dude is. It really does. Boys, before we get to Jack's question, which I, I, I think I'm especially excited for Jack's question this week. Jack and I talked about it. We bounced back and forth a little bit. And um, so so I already know what this week's question is. And so I'm stoked about that. It's Packers week. The Packers, uh, as per Brad Biggs, which we haven't talked about it yet, but 
<laughs> Brad Biggs. <laughs> Brad Biggs. Uh, I don't don't know. get cheeky, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I think you're a little behind the, the, the eight ball here on uh, this one. <laughs> so the Packers open. <laughs> Sorry, folks. Here we go. The Packers open up as 13 point favorites uh, going into a Sunday night football game, which for some crazy reason, the NFL did not flex out of a Sunday night game, which I, I just I, I do not understand that at all. Do you know why it was the the Thanksgiving uh, ratings for the Lions Bears games were off the charts? It was pure crap, and more people watched it than ever. So whatever it is, I mean, I agree with you, Ryan. But whatever it is, the people are showing up to watch the Bears and who they play. Boys, I I don't need your score predictions per se, but just a, a, a quick short thought on it's Packers Week. Let's go, Brendan, Patrick, Jack, and I will finish it up. I mean, whatever. It sucks. Like I, I'm so <laughs> sick. The, we'll we'll get into this next week, but the Bears and Packers have played a primetime game every season since 2005. I mean, and it it seems like they're always at Lambeau Field, and we all know what happens there. We get embarrassed. We get so many. We got all the Packers fans chirping us. We get a certain person. Um, whose initials are PB that just keeps coming out of the woodwork to, you know, clown us and everything. And I don't know. It's just like, whatever, this is the same thing. It's like when you're already beaten down, it's what is another one? Hopefully this is the the final time where we're embarrassed on national television. And then McCaskey's finally do something probably won't be, but that's the hope we have. Right. I got an interesting theory here. How about uh, the Packers, they forego the opportunity to compete for home field advantage and instead secretly throw the game because they know the McCaskies will eat it up and it'll keep Matt Nagy around for another five years and will cement their dominance in the NFC North. No, I'm with Brendan. I, I could give a shit less about this game. This week. Uh, in fact, I'm upset that I've actually got reserve duty this weekend. And normally I'm upset that um, I can't watch the game and I'm upset it's a primetime game so that I can watch the game because they're going to get absolutely boat raced. Uh, and we're going to have to hear about it all week on Twitter. We're going to have to hear about it all week on the, on the sports talk shows. Um, and you know, it's the leather rinse repeat once again for bears fans. It's that combination of number 12 being so incredibly good and simultaneously being such a massive chotch, just the <laughs> smuggest tool bag, D bag chotch out there. In my opinion, we didn't go full send on him after the, the wake of the immunization talk, but I, that guy proved very, you know, it's like you showed us who you were. That's what you did. You showed it. I thought you were kind of, a not great person and then you just went and like fully showed us but then you just have to like follow that up with wow you're you're maybe one of the best quarterbacks to have ever played the game and that is such a tough pill to swallow coming from your your, your rival uh sucks it's not throw out the records no it's not it's gonna be a bloodbath it will be nice to see justin field's first trip uh to lambo i am looking forward to that Hopefully, if he plays, he's he's got a chance to turn around the narrative when Aaron Rodgers leaves 
I hate it. I hate, I hate that guy. Uh, and, and you know what? Yes, it is. You, Jack, you, you, you said it perfectly. It is a mix of the fact that he is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And if you're a bears fan, you have to say that because you know that it's true. And that really, really hurts me to say that, but he is a giant D bag of a human being. And, you know, I, I know Packers fans will chirp all that they want about how good he is. That's, that's totally fine. But, you know, as it sits right now, you know, Justin Fields is only a rookie and he's got plenty of time to mess it up. But as of right now, I look and go, who would I rather be friends with? Who would I rather hang out with? And who would I rather see the future of? Uh, that's Justin Fields. And, and there's no two ways about it. This could be like 50 to, to 13. I mean, this could be an ugly, ugly loss. And, um, you know what? I know the McCaskies hate to get embarrassed. Maybe somehow, some way they get so embarrassed that they fire Matt Nagy. I don't know, man. I just, I just don't have the hope for it right now. I have a quick question before we move on. If, and this is another hypothetical, if Justin Fields keeps it close and actually like, let's say he plays and he throws three touchdowns and you kind of get that same feeling after the Steelers game, how are you actually going to feel? Are you going to feel like happy? Like, Hey, maybe the tide is going to turn. Or are yes. you going to be worried that like, Hey, maybe this is evidence again, that Nagy's starting to figure it out with fields. And no, no, if, <laughs> if they lose, if they lose to the Packers again, and, and Nagy walks out of here with a, maybe a six win season, maybe even if that, but Justin Fields plays well, I am ecstatic about that because it says we've got the right quarterback we just have the wrong head football coach. And I think even the McCaskies can't screw that up too bad. All right, Jack, it's time to get to your question at shout outs and get out of here. So Jack, what do you got for us this week? Gentlemen, could you uh, tell the listeners about the worst or most embarrassing moment of your time as an athlete? Uh, we'll go Brendan, Patrick, Dangle, and I will go last. This is tough. All right. I'll, I'll start with, uh, I have two, I guess. One's like a recreational thing and like one's actually, you know, playing organized sports. I think my worst one was when I was injured at freshman year football. So I had knee issues and I was, you know, kind of like working my way up the depth chart for wide receivers. And I was like basically this close to becoming starter, like halfway through the season before the doctor shut me down. And so I kind of lost all momentum. I'm just on the, you know, the cripple crew, essentially just on the sidelines, watching practice and everything. And we had a bad day of practice. And I just remember the coaches were about to like make everybody do wind sprints. And I was just like, Oh my God, well, at least I don't have to do that. I didn't say that out loud, but the strength and conditioning coach was next to us. And he's like, Oh, you guys are working out too. And we're like, what? And he put us through the most grueling, workout like that you could do while you're injured and he said he's like i'm gonna i've made kids cry and guess what i'm pretty sure i cried it was that bad it was just like non-stop sit-ups crunches push-ups anything you could do within reason like with your injury it was the absolute worst and i remember walking back up like we had a hill and a few of my friends were uh coming back from the actual practice where they were running and I looked at them and I was like, I, I hate this. And he's like, dude, don't even talk. You didn't even have to run. And I was like, this, like, it was the worst practice I've ever experienced. And then the recreational one, this one's just more funny, but so we have, we had a friend in college who um, we lived with and 
he unfortunately was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer our sophomore year. We were all very concerned. He started going through chemo, but he was, you know, he was doing fine. And once he started chemo, we realized, okay, you're going to be okay. Like this is, everything's going to be all right. And we always played basketball together and he would play basketball with us. Like, you know, we would do like three on three and he would kind of be winning it a little bit, but we, he would still go really hard. And one day after class, me and him were like, Hey, you know, you want to just do one-on-one? And I was like, okay, man, but like, I'm not going to go easy on you because you're going through chemo. This kid just wasted me. <laughs> and he's like, he just killed me. I was like 21 to like eight or something. And he made a comment. He's like, don't worry. I won't tell anybody that you lost to a cancer patient one-on-one. <laughs> and I'm just like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm like, I can't even be mad at you because you're going through sickness and everything. But um, my, uh, my buddy Ty, who listens to the podcast, he'll, he'll understand that. But it was, uh, I, I kind of was like, did that, did that really happen? But sure enough. My most embarrassing moment uh, was actually a good lesson for me too, though, because I was playing Connie Mac baseball, 17 years old, and uh, we were getting ready to warm up. And, you know, you go out and you take infield before the game. And we did and went great. And then the other team got up and the coach gets up to home plate and he throws his hand up in the air. And there's no ball. And he pretends to swing at no ball. And all of a sudden, the third baseman sprints over to his left and dives with no ball and picks up no ball and, and throws no ball over to first. So they took infield with no ball. It was an imaginary infield. And we were in the dugout, like laughing our asses off, making fun of the kids. We thought it was like the funniest thing ever. We're like, what a joke. We're going to absolutely destroy these kids. They throttled us. They absolutely throttled us. If there was like a, a run limit rule, we would have probably lost in the second inning. I mean, it was embarrassing. Um, so taught me a very valuable lesson not to uh, not to prejudge the circumstances because, um, boy, that was uh, that was embarrassing. We got run off the field. That realization when all of a sudden they are going to mop the floor with you. So that's a hard one, right? We were like, you were just one hundred percent clowning them, and then all of a sudden you're like. Oh, oh, okay. Like we're yeah. clown. In fairness, the diving was a bit much, even for imaginary infield, yes. right? So, yes. all right, I wasn't way off. <laughs> At least they didn't do what the Mets did and pretend to celebrate the World Series. <laughs> eight minutes. Normal patterns of human communication end after eight minutes. So every once in a while, those patterns will match up, and you could be even in a large crowd of people, and all of a sudden it'll just go quiet. I think every one of us has experienced that at one point. Well, for those that don't know, Daigle is a bit of a pasty boy and it was senior night. Uh, and for men's gymnastics, uh, let's just say the shorts are short, uh, really, really short. And I'm looking in the crowd and for some reason, I don't know why, but my ex-girlfriend and my current girlfriend at the time happened to sit next to each other and right as I'm about to compete, you know, I mean, I'm literally like the judge is, is waiting for me to, to step onto the floor to, to, to do my routine. And all of a sudden everybody stops talking and I hear my ex-girlfriend go, Oh my God, his legs are as white as the shorts. Everybody. <laughs> and I mean, everybody coaches, judges, everybody starts laughing hysterically. Yep. It's all funny for Dengel. Everybody laugh at the pasty, pasty white boy with the pasty white shorts. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was pretty bad. I did. Let's just say it wasn't my best routine boys. I'm just going to put that one out there. 
were you super embarrassed? Like, I mean, like, I, how, how would you have taken something at that, that time, like laugh with them or be mortified? I don't, I don't, I think it was all a blur at that point. My yeah. face was probably beat red while, you know, my legs continued to be pasty white. So there was make that. it worse. Yes. I'd been mortified for sure. As I've documented before, I worked at McDonald's uh, when I was in high school. Uh, like seemed like every day uh, I was serving Chagru uh, because he, he was he's at McDonald's so often. So I was simultaneously up in my sophomore football year, and you know, in double days, and I had some acne. You know, I mean, that's just what you get sometimes. Freshman, sophomore, not everybody's afflicted with it, but I was. At the time, Accutane was the primary topical that was prescribed for those of us that had acne. So it was a cream. And very clearly on the directions, it says, do not expose yourself to sunlight while you are using this medication. But I didn't really have a choice. It compounds, for those of you that have played, when the ear pads are rolling right on your cheek the entire time, you know, like your forehead and your cheek, you're just breaking out everywhere. Well, of course, the, uh, I mean, sophomore boys are, they're just brutal. So they knew that I was working at, uh, at McDonald's. And so my acne turned into this, like, I don't even know, like this combination of like road rash and pus and redness. And so they, they called me McRash. My nickname for the entire season that year, like all year was McRash. And it was brutal like i was like i can't do anything about it but it, it was really really bad that's a good one jack mcrash right that's got a nice little ring to it i'm not gonna lie to you and yes <laughs> i think we've got i just really quick i think we've gone five podcasts four podcasts maybe three i don't know without brendan talking about mcdonald's i like that's gotta be some kind of a record right boys i think so pasty mcpasty it's true. Hey, it's fair. It's fair. Jack's, I just feel bad. Jack's had such bad experiences working at McDonald's. Oh, oh, terrible. I mean, just, yeah, it was bad. I mean, I was forced to work there basically. Um, and uh, yeah, I can't say there were many upsides to it. All right, yeah. boys, it's time to get out of here. It's time to give shout outs. Let's go. Patrick Sheldon, Brendan Chagru, Jack Wright, and I will finish it up. Shout outs. So two quick shout outs for me. Uh, the first uh, goes to Ed Cooley, the head coach of the Providence College men's basketball team. Uh, the Friars won uh, a couple games last week. They beat the St. Peter's Peacocks, which is important because it was Ed's 200th victory as a uh, as the head coach of the Friars. So congratulations to Ed. They also knocked off the Texas Tech Red Raiders and are one of our arch rivals, the URI Lambs. Uh, and shout out to Marcus Freeman, uh, former Chicago Bear and current head coach of Notre Dame. Um, I'm not the biggest Notre Dame fan, but I don't know what it was about the departure of Brian Kelly and some of the stories that came out and then watching some of the videos of Marcus Freeman uh, talking to his team and the way his team responded to him. You can tell that he's a real leader. You can tell that the team loves him uh, and respects him and is going to play hard for him. And I was really hoping beyond hope that Notre Dame could have found their way into the playoff uh, and, and, you know, snuck a championship this year. Cause it uh, would have been, um, you know, nice to stick it in Brian Kelly's craw, which uh, I'm sure he's getting familiar with down there in Louisiana with his newfound accent and all of that. So uh, shout out to Marcus Freeman. Good luck to you. Um, I'm not going to be the hugest ND fan in the world, but I will be pulling for you for sure. All right. I got a couple. Uh, first one goes out to Max Markham. 
Uh, he's at Max Markham NFL. He's somebody I meant to shout out a while ago. Uh, he's, he puts out great content and he's had, you know, just some life struggles, like some, some just awful things have happened with him and his family, but just seems like a really good dude. And I really love interacting with him on Twitter. I'm sure a lot of people follow him. He's got a huge following, but just wanted to give him a shout out and just, you know, let him know. I appreciate him. Uh, next shout out goes to Randy Merkin. So I think all of us are like big ESPN 1000 fans, I think. So Randy, actually, he's he's an author. He wrote a book about producing over the years as a sports radio producer uh, behind the glass stories from a sports radio producer. And uh, I read it. I really enjoyed it. It took me down memory lane uh, from listening to ESPN 1000 over the last 10 years. And I'm actually doing, I actually did an interview with him and I'll be posting that in midway minutes uh, sometime soon. So, uh, but Randy's such a, such a good guy. His memory is amazing. He's has all these awesome stories from meeting all these uh, amazing guests. There's a few really good bears tidbits in there as well. So I uh, just want to shout out Randy for uh, being just all of his stories and being an awesome producer with ESP 1000. And finally, you know what? I didn't mention him by name before, but I'm going to mention him now. Shout out to you, Peter Bukowski, because guess what? It's Bears Packers week, like our friend Ryan said. And now you finally have an excuse to tweet about the Bears. You know, you, you like tweeting about the Bears so much during the season, Pete, that this is your week again. So I just want to stay welcome and uh, enjoy the week while you can. You know, I understand the Packers are going to beat the Bears but your obsession will live for a lifetime, my friend. I love the underlying saltiness of that shout out. Well done. So besides being a diehard Bears fan, I'm also a diehard Notre Dame fighting Irish football fan and a White Sox fan. So I won't, uh, to avoid the, uh, you know, office of redundancy office, I will avoid doing too much. But I do think, you know, agree with you 100%, Patrick. Uh, Marcus Freeman, and 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 uh, Shagru and I, I think, disagree about this. I thought uh, it was addition by subtraction. I was never a big Chip Kelly fan. D- didn't really like his smugness. Um, felt like we were always the bridesmaid and, and never the bride when it came to the bowl season and actually winning bowl games. Uh, and suddenly he has a Southern draw, which is just kind of BS in my opinion. And uh, I just loved watching that transition this week where it seemed like it was, you know, pick up the baton and, you know, we will be the ship and not the ocean. And we're still still going to kick some ass, which I really loved. Shout out to Minnie Minosto, who is going to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame from uh, he went from cutting sugarcane in Cuba to ending up being besides Mickey Mantle maybe the best player in baseball in the 1950s. He has been overlooked for far too long. The influence of Cuban athletes, not just on my White Sox, but also throughout the MLB is undeniable. And so I'm so happy that he finally got his due. Uh, So shout out to Manny Minoso. All right, I've got a couple of quick shout outs to give. Uh, Obviously, anyone that knows me knows how thrilled that I am that NIU absolutely spanked Kent State. It was some nice revenge. Kent State got us in the regular season and 
NIU are Mac champs yet again. Uh, Sean Fraser, the AD at uh, NIU, has just done an unbelievable job. Thomas Hammock took a team that was winless last season, no wins whatsoever, and took nine wins this season, wins the MAC championship, going to a bowl game. Uh, there was a little bit of uh, tweeting going on between the University of Illinois, who said that they own the state of Illinois, yet refused to play my NIU Huskies. So I think we really know who owns the state of Illinois when it comes to collegiate football. It's NIU. TJ Brooks, uh, TJ Brooks and I have had some awesome interactions on Twitter, some back and forth. Uh, TJ's done some, some stuff that's made me laugh and some, some really good back and forth. So TJ, thank you so much for interacting with Twitter. I've really enjoyed it. And then two very special shout outs, Anthony from the Irish Bears show uh, had some family stuff going on uh, and his son, Theo and, and aunt, they are just an absolute riot. And I love those two and just thrilled uh, to, to call them friends. And so aunt, that one goes out to you and a very, 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 very somber and special shout out to uh, our, our good friend, Mike Oosterwick, Ozzy from Melbourne, Australia. His family is going through a very, very difficult time right now. Ozzy, we love you. Uh, the BDR family loves you. And we are thinking about you very, very much. And uh, please send that love out to your extended family because we know that they're going through a very, very difficult time right now. For all of you who are listening, thank you so very much uh, for hanging out with us for, for this podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. If you really like what you hear, hit us with a five-star review because it really helps to widen our audience. But if you absolutely love it, you can buy us a round of beers just like our anonymous donor did. But if you do, please let us know that you bought us a round of beers because we want to celebrate you on this podcast and we will shout you out. For Jack Wright, Brennan Chagru, Patrick Sheldon, I'm Ryan Dangle. For all of us at the Bear Down Report, thank you so much, folks. And as always, bear down. <laughs>